climate change, poverty, mental health, young people and adults face a world of constant change. It's the connections we make, innovations and education that come together to help us make a difference. Welcome to the power of young people to change the world. In this program, we bring together leaders that share stories designed to inspire you to serve, learn, and change the world. Now, here's your host, Amy Muirs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to The Power of Young People to Change the World. I'm your host, Amy Muirs. I'm here every Thursday on Voice America Empowerment Radio, where together we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators can utilize the power of service learning to redesign education. Before we jump into this jam-packed show for you today, um, I want to give a huge shout out to the one and only Cheryl Wolf Cohen. She co-hosted the show for me the last couple of weeks so I could take vacation. I owe her big time. Thank you, Cheryl, a million times over. Cheryl is not only an amazing host, she's a great educator, um, and she was recently voted in as the new chair of the board for NYLC. So for everything you do and continue to do for NYLC, for students and educators everywhere, Shira. Thank you. Like I mentioned, we have um, a really jam-packed show today. Some amazing guests um, are joining me. Um, our friends at Earth Force um, told me I, we needed to have them on the show and sh- so that they could share their story. Um, these are youth and adult leaders from the Rise Challenge, Illinois. Um, we're going to learn more about the program, the great partners that are working together, and the students who are developing solutions to rear real-world environmental issues. Um, But first, let's meet the team that's here with us today. So, um, Fanan, let's start with you. Um, Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you? First off, uh, we're equally excited today, Amy, and I just want to give you a big thank you for bringing us together. Uh The name is Banan Garada, uh, spelled like banana without the last day. Uh, As well, bananas happen to be my favorite fruit. Uh, But beyond bananas, I'm currently a first-year student at UCLA studying bioengineering. Building safer communities is very important to me. Uh, This aim drives the work I do with the Federal Emergency Management Agency, uh, where I serve a leadership position in the Youth Preparedness Council, founded an ongoing National Safety Matters webinar series, and authored a book on the topic of pandemic safety. I worked with a local safe driving team. Uh, to address the high risk of teens getting involved in motor accidents. And I led the team to claim the national championship title in uh, driving safety competition over this past summer. I share more about safety and its many connections to reality in the TED Talk, TED Talk titled uh, Better Prepared, Better Protected. And I hope you can give that a listen so we can start building safer communities together. Awesome. And um, Banan was actually supposed to be on this show. Um, was it earlier this um, this in spring in May? Yeah, um, for Project Ignition and the teen driver safety work that she's doing. So I finally get her on the show. <laughs> so welcome. Thanks. Um, Theo, can you introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you so much for having us, Amy. Uh, hi, I'm Theo. I uh, graduated from Urbana High School last year, along with Benin. I'm attending the University of Chicago for college. Um, I'm planning to study philosophy and comparative literature uh, for my undergraduate degree, um, and uh, I'm thinking to go into teaching or nursing or public policy as a career. Um, 
I served on the Illinois State Board of Education Student Advisory Council for two years, uh, researching high impact tutoring and social emotional learning and special education. Um, and uh, I like to spend a lot of my time reading and hanging out with friends. Um, yeah, thank you again for having us. Absolutely. You guys have such um, diverse backgrounds. It's amazing. Fiona, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Certainly. And likewise, I'm honored to be here. Uh, I am the Outreach and Education Coordinator for Sologradia Farm, which is a not-for-profit mission-driven vegetable farm in Urbana. Um, and through that, I'm the primary volunteer lead for the Solidarity Garden CU Initiative. Solidarity Garden CU is a collaborative project between Champaign Urbana and Urbana community organizations, including the farm where I work, uh, Cunningham Township Supervisor's Office, the Urbana Free Library, Canning Murray Foundation and Urbana Park District. And we work together to support local and home community gardeners, uh, local home and community gardeners, excuse me, um, in growing food for themselves and others in order to combat food insecurity locally. Amazing. Thank you. And Abby, can we hear from you? Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for having us on today, Amy. Uh, I'm Abby Enlin. I'm the executive director for the Environmental Education Association of Illinois. Uh, my background is mostly in non-formal environmental education, working with students and the public outdoors. Um, I've also done a lot of program management and community engagement uh, over the past 20 something years that I've been in this field. I'm super excited to be here today as the executive director for EEAI to talk about our RISE Challenge and the work uh, that these incredible students and Fiona did last spring. Wonderful. Thanks, Abby. Um, I really, I'd love to jump in and just hear more about the Environmental Education Association of Illinois, kind of what it is, what you're doing. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, awesome. So EEAI, for short, is the statewide member-based nonprofit that's charged with providing and promoting high-quality environmental education professional development for both formal and non-formal educators. So that's a pretty wide population that we serve. We maintain a network that includes, like I said, pre-K through higher education, formal educators, but then also all of those non-formal educators that you might run into at a nature center, a zoo, an aquarium, a library, um, and all of those kinds of non-formal settings, as well as administrators that are passionate about environmental education, um, state agencies, students, and whole organizations. Our network works really hard to advance environmental literacy throughout the state, and we do that by being the state host for several national programs like Project Learning Tree, Project WILD, the North American Association for Environmental Education Guidelines for Excellence, Earth Force Illinois, and of course, Rise Challenge Illinois. We're also the state affiliate for NAAEE, the North American Association for Environmental Education. And serving as the state affiliate gives us a way to make sure that Illinois educators and the field of environmental education in Illinois have a voice at the national level uh, to really push and advocate for you know, our needs um, on the national stage. So we provide a lot of opportunities for networking and professional development for all of those educators throughout our network, um, for our members and non-members to really make sure that they have the services, the tools, the knowledge and experience, and the funding that they need to provide high quality environmental education throughout Illinois. That's amazing. And I just have to say, I think no matter where we're working with students, if we're, if we're 
after school, if we're in school, we all need to be doing environmental education. So I I think no matter what subject area, if it's youth leadership or if it's STEM or if it's English lit, we need to be thinking about environmental ed. So huge supporter of it all. Um, so Abby, I was hoping you could tell us more about the rise challenge and I know earth force is a partner. They're a partner of NYLC. We've had them on the show and, and they're the ones that said, you need to hear the stories that are coming out, um, of the work that you guys are doing. So could you tell us a little bit more about this challenge, kind of who's involved and, and what's the purpose behind it? Absolutely. So Rise Challenge is a really unique opportunity that brought together, like you mentioned, Earth Force, uh, EEAI here in Illinois, and then the Federal Emergency Management Agency. We typically know them as FEMA, um, the Region 5 office, and then the Association of State Floodplain Managers Foundation. So all of these organizations got together and established Rise Challenge Illinois. It's actually kind of a, a branch of a program that's also run currently in Colorado and uh, Montana, I believe. So part inquiry-based learning, part competition, and part statewide summit, Rise Challenge Illinois engages students in exploring their local communities to identify real-world environmental issues and develop solutions and action plans for making their communities more resilient to natural hazards and natural disasters. The mission, right, with this program is to create a generation of of young people that have the knowledge, skills, and motivation to improve uh, their communities, to to improve resiliency to natural disasters. So we want students to really dig deep into what are their vulnerabilities? What are the natural hazards that their communities are vulnerable to? And how can they work to make improvements, uh, whether it's mitigation, um, you know, to, to really be more prepared for those natural hazards. We are seeing natural disasters impacting our community more and more heavily with each and every year. And so ensuring that we are prepared, that we know the potential risks, we know what those hazards are and what we can do to lessen the impact if a natural disaster were to happen or that we can rebuild and rebound more quickly. That's kind of the the whole goal here. That's amazing. And it makes me think about, I mean, it's, it's hard not to think about the importance of a project like this when, you know, we see the devastation that happened throughout Kentucky, um, our friends in new Orleans, um, and the work, you know, the, um, the flooding and, and the tornadoes that have happened down there, um, this past year, not to mention the pandemic and, and all of the, um, effects that that's had, um, so yeah, the, it's so important to have opportunities like this to engage young people. Um, and so I would love to hear, um, Fiona, how um, your, a little bit more about your organization and what this work um, means to you as a community leader. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the Solidarity Gardens project actually began in June of 2020 in response to the COVID pandemic. Um, Cunningham Township, which is one of our partner organizations, was seeing that the low income and housing insecure folks that they serve no longer had access to their usual food sources, uh, including their sort of food banks and markets, or they no longer had the income that, uh, that they were using to sustain themselves. And so um, with a lot of people having less work, being at home, uh, and and wanting to use their energy for some purpose, um, we worked really hard to bring a lot of folks together 
uh, to, to create food for folks. And, um, that meant, um, that meant stuff like growing, you know, extra food in their own gardens, uh, and then donating it. And it also meant helping folks who are maybe food insecure, get their own uh, food gardens off the ground. Um, so I was not actually aware of the rise challenge until Banan and Theo brought it to me. They knew about what we were working on and, and wanted to help support the initiative. Um, and that was really awesome because in a lot of ways, the, the initiative itself is a, a big community effort. Uh, and, and the Rise Challenge is really about community resilience and bringing the community together to protect us as a group from these really dangerous uh, situations that we find ourselves in. So it was a fantastic uh, marriage of two things that I think worked really well together. That's so awesome. And it's wonderful that um, that our students on the call are the ones that brought it to the community partner. I love that. Um, Absolutely. We do have to take a brief pause, but then when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation and learn more about the amazing work that's happening in Illinois. So stay with us on the Power of Young People to Change the World, Voice American Empowerment Radio. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com listening to the power of young people to change the world with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. So welcome back, everyone. Um, if you're just joining us, I'm here with Abby, Theo, Fiona, and Banan, and we're talking about the Rise Challenge Illinois and all the amazing work Um around climate action that young people are, are taking across the state. And so, Banana, I wanted to come back to you and talk about why you're passionate about the environment and environmental issues and kind of what drew you um, to address uh, climate action. That's a great question, Amy. And really, it, it um, comes down to the, the, the mere fact that I, I grew up surrounded by the environment. And in many ways, uh, being uh, toned to it from, from a young age, I, I've come to realize uh, it's a great potential to address many of the societal issues we are currently facing. 
um, from the people who make up the environment and the great issues of, of food insecurity. Being able to recognize and being able to um, make use of the environment as a way to cultivate um, uh, crops and um, other food that could help to address this, this issue of food insecurity. That, um, that looking into my own community, uh, one out of six families within the Champaign-Urbana community um, suffer through. And, and, and just thinking even beyond that, to, to the earth to which we all inhabit and uh, realizing how um, the depressing issues of climate change and how uh, we could be able to help address that through the environment and through being um, more intentional in, in creating sustainable practices and in, in, um, in growing crops that we know could help to address this um, this, this growing um, concern and, and all at the same time being able to come together. And, and I realized that, you know, granted we all are part of the environment in, in some way or shape or form. I realized that um, in, in helping the environment, right, I'm helping to, to grow our communities, grow distinct, diverse and unique communities each in their own way to, coming, to come closer together through, in a sense, the seeds of um, unification, and 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 just realizing how, how much uh, how much their how much impact um, one seed and one seed at a time could do towards drawing communities together, um, really inspire really is the the fuel that keeps this uh, the passion going in terms of finding ways to um, to develop safer to develop safer um, environmental practices and to grow more effective and more um, impactful gardens and um, and byway communities. I love I love everything you just said, but there's one part that really stuck out to me and you said we're all part of the environment. That and um, thinking about, you know, often when we when when we talk about like climate change or climate action, people don't make that connection always to food insecurity and how important it is that those two things are thought about as one and that they're deeply connected and rooted together. So um, amazing, um, just amazing answer to that question. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Theo, could you tell us kind of what you're seeing in your community, like what environmental issues um, that you're seeing in, in your community? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, one of the uh, most severe and frequent threats we face uh, at Illinois are tornadoes. Um, within my memory, small towns in the area have been devastated by tornadoes and there's been a long process to rebuild. Um, it's happened to a small town called Gifford a few years ago, I believe, another mm-hmm. called Washington. Um, we also have problems with uh, water pollution, like uh, there's have been issues related to coal ash pollution that our state representatives uh, have been very proactive on and have played a critical role uh, in passing legislation for the whole state um, to help uh, prevent um, pollution by coal ash and water sources. Um, there was, uh, I was remembering, there's also a gas leak uh, in recent years in our lo- in the source of water for uh, half a million people in our area, the Muhammad Aquifer. Um, and there's been some legislation at the state level to deal with that as well. Um, so there are various environmental concerns. 
in our area. And obviously, there are likely, as has been mentioned, there are likely to be more in the near future as climate change becomes more severe. Um, in my area, in, in our area in central Illinois, there are both uh, very severe summers and very severe winters. Um, so we uh, we get a lot of very cold weather in the winters, and we might not uh, be very uh, might not be very proactive against climate change. Then we have beautiful fifty and sixty degree days, but obviously uh, it'll make surviving Illinois summers much more difficult. Uh, require more expenditure on air conditioning, among many other things, uh, and hopefully will prompt more action from local government officials uh, to protect people from heat related illnesses. Uh, it's an open question how our government will be dealing with that. Um, and Abby and Fiona and Banana, I think, have all touched on this, but it's kind of a, I see it as kind of an issue of being proactive with regards to environmental issues. The main problems that our community faces aren't directly environmental. They're things like, of course, food insecurity, uh, like violent crime, like housing segregation. Um, and those things can all be exacerbated tremendously by uh, natural disasters and other, um, other environmental issues that we can't see coming unless we're very proactive. Um, and I think that uh, that's what uh, that's something that the Rise Challenge is very valuable for. That's what Banan and I addressed in our uh, in our application to the Rise Challenge. The ways that uh, thunderstorms and similar disasters uh, could could uh, make our response to food insecurity in Shepherdabana uh, much less uh, much less effective. Um, so I think that uh, even if it isn't obvious that the problems in our area are environmental or connected to the, to the environment, um, issues with the, with the environment can make these issues much worse um, and can make it a lot harder to deal with them, can render the uh, groups like Solidarity Gardens that are trying to deal with them much less effective. Uh, so I think that when we uh, consider issues with the environment, um, along with other political issues, uh, we're going to be much more prepared to build prosperous and thriving and equitable communities. That's wonderful. You know, it, uh, when we think about, um, you know, you think about all of the things that you list and it's things that, you know, every um, community knows, right, the weather patterns, um, the historical weather patterns, the things that they have to deal with. But it's, it is, it's making those connections to those, to those deeper issues and how, how this climate, how changes in climate can really, yeah, impact or exasperate the, um, the different, um, like housing and, and food insecurity and all of these things, um, just the heating and cooling and the equity within that, right? Like the resources it takes to keep your um, apartment, you know, cooler in the summer and warmer in the winter. And yeah, um, it's all interconnected. Um, you know, so Fiona, I'm curious how this project has really impacted the students that you um, that you work with and kind of what they've learned from, from the experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you've, you've just heard some of the ways uh, that Theo and Banan were sharing, but I think one of the, the big um, plus sides to this project is that it was an opportunity to look at food insecurity holistically from the, the very high up, the big picture numbers and demographics, kind of how Banan was, was talking about, uh, to the nitty gritty of how does this one tornado or water pollution event affect our ability to uh, put good food on people's tables and how are we as a community going to respond to that? 
Um, and I think, you know, Solidarity Gardens works on bridging that gap. Uh, and we tried to kind of share that experience with, with Theo and Banana. We try to share that experience with everybody that comes through and, and works with us um, to show how in, in a lot of cases, there is no one to step up into those uh, spaces that a disaster might leave in our housing uh, security or food security chains. And that uh, is the community's responsibility. And there are a lot of ways that the community can come together and do that. I appreciate that because a lot of times we put the onus on the government, but there are things that as community members that we can take responsibility for. And you guys are a perfect example of that, right? Like you're proactively addressing this issue um, and it's not dependent on on um, waiting for legislation or something like that to say we should do it. So, um, so that's wonderful. Um, Abby, I know this is kind of one of those questions where it seems like it's obvious, but at the end of the day, can you just articulate why is it so important that we, um, that we're looking at environmental civic action and then what role do you see youth having in changing the world? So I think it's really important to understand that when we're talking about environmental civic action, we're not just talking about knowing and understanding the issues that our community faces, but it's really going to that next step. It's, it's actually, like it says in the, in the phrase, it's actually taking action to do something about those issues. I've always thought my entire life that if we just got people to care enough about the environment, right? If they just loved the outdoors and plants and animals, that protecting the environment would come really naturally. I grew up you know, with a lot of access, super privileged to have access to the outdoors, to be surrounded by role models and educators and camp counselors and, and all of these people that instilled all of that value in me. And, and, I, and I felt like, right, everyone has that. Well, that's just not the case. Everyone's experience and access to the outdoors is different. And so we have to go one step further. We have to really make sure that as adults, we've learned how to take the steps necessary to protect the environment and what that means. And so environmental civic action is really this idea that, that we have to engage in responsible environmental behavior and we have to be empowered with the skills and, and the know-how to take those actions and what actions are appropriate to, to actually take. So programs like RISE help to teach these necessary skills to students. It teaches them how to investigate environmental issues, how to research solutions that might be applicable and reasonable for their community, to develop a plan that makes sense and can actually be implemented, and then to use their voice to speak to power to make that plan happen. And this is a really big piece of environmental civic action is that you have to be able to feel empowered and know that your voice and, and your influence really has an impact, that it really can make a difference. And these are the ex essential experiences that young people need to have super early on to instill that confidence and that civic efficacy that they truly can do this work. Um, I think the youth have a, a real potential of being big leaders in change and improvement for the environment their optimism, their hope, their determination, 
and quite frankly, their ability to organize using social media platforms (laughs) and, you know, get the word out campaigns. I mean, we have seen real positive change, real movements happening in young people all throughout the world when it comes to the environment, when it comes to social justice issues, and, and a lot of other concerns that they have, things that are truly impacting their daily lives that they're sick and tired of. They they come together and they use that passion, that commitment, and that drive to really make a difference. And so ensuring that they have the guidance from educators and these experiences where they can really step up and take the lead on an environmental issue that they're seeing in their community and see that issue be addressed in some way um, is really impactful. And it's an experience that will stay with them for their entire life. Uh, Research and evaluation that's been done on the Earth Force process, we know that these experiences matter, that it truly makes adults more willing to step forward and do something when there is a problem in their community. Exclamation point. <laughs> so well said. I Yeah. It's like, we could just do mic drop. <laughs> Wonderful. We do have to take another quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to continue this amazing conversations with our guests today. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Um, I am so excited to be here with our guests today, and I just want to jump right back in. And Benen, I want to come to you and talk about what it's like to get started on a project like this. Kind of what did you do and how did you engage um, and get started? That's an excellent question, Amy, really. Uh, because there's always a lot of fear involved in getting started. Mm-hmm. Fear because I'm starting something I've never started before that I don't have any prior experience with and therefore simply don't know what to expect. The goal and what helped me surpass this fear of the unexpected was envisioning what may lay ahead. 
Now, it's hard to envision big things like numbers and statistics. So upon starting this endeavor, um, etched in my mind uh, were the smiles that this work might bring, the fuller tables, the longer dinners, uh, the happy neighbors going to and from school with uh, fuller, uh, satisfied stomachs, and, uh, and images like this, right? specific personal images like this in my mind helped to break down this, this fear I had of, of what might go wrong. And what and or what might the opposition or comp competition think, and or so on and so forth, and um, and whichever fear may come into my mind, right? It's it's images like this that help me course correct whenever I began to feel anxious, come up with hypothetical what ifs, um, so on and so forth, and and really refocus on what counts: our communities and the people that create it. I love that. I love that, um, you know, you were able to like keep that focus of what you wanted to accomplish and visualize that in order to like overcome the challenges that often come when we start something new, that fear it is, it's hard to start something new, right? Like it's scary. And so I love the visualization and just thinking about the impact that you not only were able to visualize, but you made happen. That's, that's amazing. Theo, I'm wondering if you can share more of what this looks like now that you've been doing this a little while. And also if there's like a favorite part, an activity, um, something that you've done that, that kind of sticks out to you. Yeah. Thank you, Amy. Um, and, uh, yeah, just to reiterate some of what Ben said, I was at the beginning of uh, working on this project for Rise, I was grateful to Madan for bringing the project to my attention and asking me to help with it and grateful to Fiona for all the help she gave us as well, but I wasn't really sure what would come of it. And then uh, we ended up having this really great su success and being really well supported by Abby and the people at the EEAI. Um, I, uh, I'm really satisfied with how the contributions that we made, the small contributions that we made from our project have become uh, really integrated into how Solidarity Gardens works as a whole. Um, through our project, we were able to buy a, a shed-like storage facility um, for the main garden at Solidarity Gardens, um, and we're also able to uh, improve and renovate uh, the raised beds at another garden in our town. Um, and I really, it's been really cool to see how those have been a contribution to helping Solidarity Gardens uh, become so successful. Like Fiona mentioned earlier, um, the whole program was uh, started by a combination of um, citywide uh, and uh, nonprofit and government affiliated organizations um, in our city uh, just last year in 2020. Um, and it's grown from kind of an experiment last year to a really well-coordinated organization, which produced an amazing amount of food for the community this summer. And uh, it's uh, it's been very cool to help out with that, both by occasionally volunteering and uh, with the uh, with the gardens and by participating in this RISE project. It's, uh, it's very cool to see how we've uh, been able to been able to coordinate with other aspects of the broader Solidarity Gardens project, and even beyond that, uh, the broader uh, community gardening community in our in our city uh, to provide uh, so much food for the community and to help combat food insecurity. Um, and I guess I would say there are, there are a couple of favorite things uh, that I would mention. Um, one thing is that I, I really enjoy working in the gardens and at uh, Solagracia Farm. Uh, which is a, a partner organization because I often get to have conversations with other people who are working there 
and I've met a, met a lot of really interesting people from around our community um, while working in those gardens. Um, and then another thing that was really fun was to hear uh, the other projects that were presented uh, as part of RISE at the same time. Uh, there were a lot of students from around the state who had done a really amazing amount of research about various uh, environmental related problems um, in their communities. And uh, really, it was very cool to see how they, how, but how diligent they had been in, in putting together solutions um, and envisioning better futures for their cities. And that, that was really cool to see. That's awesome. I, I have to be honest. I wondered if, if one of the things you would say would be the gardening part, like, I mean, we'll we'll uh, see how Fiona feels about this, but I think you either love it or you don't, right? When it comes to gardening, so Fiona, I'm wondering. Um, again, this might seem like a little bit of an obvious question, but um, just to help make the connection, like, how does environmental education fit with the goals of Solidarity Gardens? Like, what do you hope that students are going to learn? The skills, um, you know, um, were there things that kind of outcomes or skills that were developed um, by by your students and participants that you weren't expecting. Um, but I'd just love to hear kind of more about the learning elements and also just um, that environmental education piece. Yeah, that's a super great question, Amy. Um, I think a lot of it goes back to what Abby was saying earlier about access. Um, there is a large gap in access uh, to good food and that's often mirrored uh, by a large gap in access to knowledge and land to grow food and also the respect and support to do so. Um, and so in order to kind of combat that, uh, we, we're trying to work with a lot of local gardeners and promoting skill and tool sharing um, so that we can create community around that knowledge and everybody can bring you know, their own knowledge and uh, cultural understandings as well to the table. Um, so that it can really be a holistic sort of project and that the food that we create um, can be something that is of, of pride to all of the people who are engaged in it. Um, so in, in that respect, uh, and, and agriculture as well, just in general requires being very environmentally aware. You have to be able to think critically about things like soil and water quality and productivity and the health of the land. You have to know what you want to grow, what the outcomes are that you want to see. Um, you mentioned what I thought about gardening. I adore gardening. I love it. I would do it all the time if I could. Um, but I think the thing that is, that is the best about it is that, uh, everybody can be involved in it in their own way. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, that sharing information and the environmental education, uh, part of that really makes that possible. It puts everybody in a place where, uh, their ideas can be shared and that they can learn something and teach something as well. That's great. I love um, what you said earlier about um, about the need for respect within this space and that that, you know, it's not just, um, you know, here's a plot of land, but providing the respect and that cultural understanding and, you know, it, it's it just I, I'm visualizing um, this space and it just seems so welcoming um, when when you have um, those kind of uh, attributes that that you're basing your work on. Um, so that's a, that's wonderful. Um, but Anne, I'm wondering if what you've been able to see um, as the impact of your work and wh what's that felt like to you? Definitely, yeah. Uh, well, one quick thing I just want to touch up on um, is 
my joy as well um, for for gardening, and I and I also have a pun for it if you're ready. Um, I, I like gardening so much from my head to my toe, to my toe as in standing for tomato. <laughs> Um, yes, I, I like to share this in part because, um, it's, it's one of the first things I ever grew were tomatoes, in fact. And so it's sort of a personal pun to me and, and it always, you know, brings me great joy. And I always like to to share it with, with, with people. Um, but back to your question, right? So, so it's, um, I have, uh, the, the impact of, of this work came from the stories that, um, that we heard from, from the gardeners um, working specifically at our largest garden, right? From the funding from the, the Rise Challenge, getting securing second place in the Rise Challenge, we were able to get um, $800 that we were able to invest towards storage-like structures that ensure our gardens are more effective um, and, and more able to uh, produce the 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 important the, the the fundamental crops that then later go out to towards helping our communities and and helping address this um, hunger issue um, and 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 realizing that right realizing that we we took the um, we took the small step realizing sort of the 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 work that we did in a sense like behind the curtain right helped to um, really sort of make uh, make me feel more empowered right more um more appreciative of how small steps like this right how small um items like storage structures or tools can help towards really um fueling and and uh, and and uh, making more effective the the items and the resources we already have in place that it that is the, the gardens to make them more um effective at doing what they do and that is um, producing the crops that that help our um, community uh, grow and, and push forward. That's wonderful. Um, I I love everything you said, and I, I'm sorry your pun is stuck in my head. <laughs> so so I'm still stuck on the pun. <laughs> Um, um, we do, I'm sorry, we do have to take one last short break. Um, and then when we come back, we're going to get some final reflections from our guests today. So stay with me, Amy Muir's on the power of young people to change the world. And remember you can follow the show on social media at NYLCORG or find us at NYLC.org. We'll be right back. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, getting started in service learning. A book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. 
Visit nylc.org to learn more today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Um, This hour has just gone so fast. Um, So we just have a a few minutes left together. Um, So I'd love to get some final reflections from each of you. And so, Abby, I'm going to start with you. So I think one of the most important questions that we need to start with is, one, how can educators get involved? And then after that, I would love to hear kind of the future of the Environmental Education Association, like where are you headed, any future plans that you want us to know about or that we we should be um, getting involved in? Yeah, so let's jump right in. So educators can get involved uh, with the Rise Challenge by simply going to the website. Uh, We make it super easy to jump right in at any point during the school year or the calendar year into Rise Challenge. Uh, The deadline for proposals, so kind of that first step into having your students compete is going to be in March. Um, And we have all of the tools that you need to kind of navigate the logistics of the Rise Challenge right on our website. So we want you to visit www.eeai.net. And Rice Challenge is open to any adult that's working with youth. So, you know, we talk a lot about teachers and, and kind of that formal classroom setting, but this could also be a really great community outreach engagement project for a youth group or a homeschool group or a scout group or an after school science club. There's all kinds of different ways that adults are engaging youth in conversations and, and community outreach projects. And we really feel like Rise Challenge can be a good fit in a lot of those different situations. As you've seen tonight uh, or heard about tonight, Fiona was working in a garden setting, so a very non-formal, non-traditional learning environment with these students to get them involved in a community outreach project. Well, and like I mentioned earlier, doesn't matter what your subject matter is. <laughs> we need exactly. environmental yeah. education interwoven. It's all connected. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're really hoping that Rise Challenge can continue to grow. We had five amazing finalists last year that competed in the summit at the end of the school year. And we're really hoping to see that number grow so that we can really have a lot of impact and outreach happening throughout the state. EEAI just released our EL for IL, which is our environmental literacy for Illinois document. This is a guiding document for how we can advance the field of environmental education and advance environmental literacy within Illinois in a more equitable way. We really, uh, we engaged about 50 partners over the last two years on this writing project, and we're really excited to see how it will be used by educators to guide the education of future teachers to help guide more inclusive and more equitable EE program development and to build more partnerships and collaborations throughout the state. We really need environmental education and the advancement of environmental literacy to include more perspectives, more diverse groups, and more communities in order to really tackle some of these most pressing environmental issues. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that, Abby. But Anne, um, if you could give one piece of advice to young people who are looking to make a difference in their communities, what would that be? That's an incredible difficult question, but <laughs> I'll, I'll give it my best shot. So I think that it, it begins with admitting that some things are uncertain. 
Um, I mentioned this earlier, right? It's as much as we like to major in a specific field or hone in on a specific interest, there's really much uncertainty as to how exactly we will be able to apply these interests or um, these majors, right? And, and so the key here is to, is to be prepared. And um, that means learning, researching, and asking around, constantly seeking to learn, understand the experiences of, of neighbors, of, of neighboring um, people, communities, and um, cultures, so on and so forth, to be able to really understand um, their life experiences and their life stories. And, and through gaining and learning of these stories, can we help to um, be prepared and, and put a sense of clarity to this uncertainty. And I really, it's, um, that's one thing. And I, you know, I, I'd like to also share um, my contact information as well. And I think that part of that is having like support system as well. And, and so like, if, if any youth out there is interested in contacting me to, to learn more, to talk about this further, um, my email is just uh, my first and last name at gmail.com. Or my number is 217-721-1499. And I'd be beyond happy to talk further about this. Thank you so much for sharing. Theo, I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you have some advice that you'd like to give to the young people listening? Yeah, thank you, Amy. Um, I guess my answer would not be too different from Banan's. I think that um, over the course of my not super long time, but my time in high school working in uh, these youth activism circles, I think I've learned that it's pro it's a good idea for young people to reach out, to, to seek out and to listen to those in their community uh, who have already been working on the issues that they care about. Um, I think we have this idea that I, I think is kind of flawed of young people sort of discovering an issue and founding an organization that addresses it and making a great deal of change. That, that sometimes does happen, but I think that there are often, in almost all communities, there are already organizations that exist often run by people who aren't youth, who are oftentimes elderly, who have been working on these issues for many decades, um, that have really great structures set up uh, to address some of the most uh, most pressing issues in communities, some that I mentioned in Champaign-Urbana that I, I didn't hear about until I was, uh, until very long after I became involved in youth activism, our, our different community gardens around the community, like uh, the Randolph Street Community Garden, um, in the Urbana Neighborhoods Connection Center run by Janice Mitchell. I think uh, it's uh, one of the things that I was so happy about uh, this project that Banana and I did is that we were able to connect our interest in this issue to an organization that already existed, um, that already had a structure set up that was going to make it really valuable uh, for the community. Um, and as, as Banana did, I'd also be happy um, to share my contact information if anyone uh, would like to reach out. I'd be happy to offer any support I can. Um, my phone number is 217-493-6383. Um, and my email is tpjohnson, spelled J-O-H-N-S-O-N, uh, at uchicago, U-C-I, excuse me, U-C-H-I-C-A-G-O dot E-D-U. Wonderful. Well, thanks thanks. So much again. Thanks, Theo. I want to make sure we have um, give a couple of um, minutes to Fiona to share what was the biggest impact this work had on you as an educator and as a garden leader. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in a lot of ways, I think it was the flip side of what Theo just said. Um, 
for organizations that are working on this stuff, it is vital to have young people's voices involved. They have this energy and capacity and intention that is really powerful. Um, I think we gained a lot from working with Theo and Benan, who you have just heard uh, are just amazing uh, and inc incredibly skilled young people. And um, I think that all community organizations can find students that are engaged and, and ready to assist, and we should be. Awesome. Thank you so much, Theo, Banan. Thank you for joining me today, for sharing your passion and your journey with us. Abby, Fiona, um, thank you for everything that you're doing to support young people, your communities, helping everyone lead and grow and making just these real change on these urgent environmental issues. Again, you can learn more and take action um, by visiting Environmental Education Association of Illinois website at eeai.net. Look for the RISE Challenge or just drop me an email at info, info at nylc.org. I'll make sure you get to connected um, to um, EEAI, to Banan, to Theo, um, whomever you'd like to speak with, we'll make sure we get you connected. Um, I also wanted to mention that if you're an educator and you're looking to use service learning as a strategy um, to create solutions to real world problems um, in communities, um, you can visit NYLC store and download any of our Engage handbooks. Um, we have um, a climate change, peace building, gender equity. Um, we're tackling a lot of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So um, free resources that can help you along this journey um, um, to help bring um, young people to tackle some of these really challenging issues. Um, I also want to do a quick promotion of our Getting Started in Service Learning book, um, another free resource. So it's a great if you're a classroom teacher or an after-school program. Again, it's free and ready for you to download. Um, a huge shout out to the Allstate Foundation um, for their support of that work. Um, check it out. It'll help you get started along this journey um, of getting young people out into their communities, investigating um, what's happening, um, planning and preparing to take action, um, all the while connecting to learning goals. The next couple of weeks, I'm going to be taking a break from live shows, but I'll be back on January 6th. We're going to have a team from iMatter. Um, we're going to be talking mental health and young people. So make sure you mark your calendars for Thursdays at six o'clock Eastern. And until next time, I hope you'll join us as we serve, learn, change the world. See you next year. Thank you for tuning in this week to the power of young people to change the world. Your host, Amy Muirs, will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world.